You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Welcome to episode 41 of the 515 Podcast. Jason Priestman here with John Wayne McMahon. John, there's a police helicopter flying over my house right now. Yes. It didn't arrive until you got here. Yeah. Could think, be coincidence. Could, could probably is. be something else. But I'm glad you're here uh, yeah. with me today. Mm-hmm. Um, we've started a new sermon series called Make Ready. But before we get into that, do you want to uh, give us kind of a recap of this uh, eventful weekend we've Yeah, had? yeah, yeah. So yesterday uh, was a celebration of life for Reverend Scott Dornbush. Um, so a lot going into that and a lot of emotions and... Um, it was. I think it was a, a great opportunity for our church to celebrate Scott and to celebrate their family. And um, it is as hard as the circumstances are, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, it was really neat to see the community come together once more. Um, and not just the community, but all the guests that came. Yeah. So we saw over a thousand maybe like 1,100 people mm-hmm. on campus at the same time, which if you know our church, that's, that's tough to <laughs> tough to fit up that many yeah. at once all in, yes. in um, on campus. We have that many on average in worship the whole morning on Sundays, mm-hmm. and we tried to fit them all on in one, one service. Yeah, one, two-hour service kind of thing. So anyways, um, I just, I just for all those that are listening, uh, shout out to all the volunteers that, I mean, there might have been a hundred volunteers that helped mm-hmm. in the process of all of this. And so, um, because we wanted to put our best forward for the dorm bushes and for the families. And um, we also wanted to be the best host for all of Scott's friends and colleagues and, and all those that were coming in. We saw um, what we think was like 200 clergy. My gosh. Yeah. Uh, saw a lot of robes. The entire commons was full mm-hmm. of robes before they processed in. And mm-hmm. so that was just... Uh, a really neat side testimony to not only Scott but also to the connection of the United Methodist Church yeah. that uh, it's a it's a family mm-hmm. and so um, there were a ton of pastors that didn't even know Scott that just they just really? come That's because awesome. because of our connection uh, we very much believe that uh, that we're in this together and so it was really neat to see it, all of them and and Vess and uh, just proud of of Scott's boys and. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sharing and and Scott's brother and just continued prayers for for all of that um, and for the staff and and everybody moving forward um, but but overall it's just a big day and we streamed it so that people in other mm-hmm. churches could could see that Jason you had a big part in that and kind of help organizing and trying to we, we obviously have have kind of flirted with streaming yeah a little bit in the vine but our technology isn't just quite we just don't quite have the resources there and so to pull it off it took took a lot and um man i was praying for i've never prayed for technology <laughs> like that you know yeah. did you i forgot to uh ask this and since we're recording whatever uh-huh. but did you know there was a power surge in the middle of the funeral did you see that i did where see you that were? Because my heart stopped. I thought, we're about to lose everything with technology. I was really torn there. I was like, you know, we the the audio quality was not perfect on this broadcast. And that was kind of itching, you know, just scratching at me the whole time. Yeah. And, and I wanted it to be perfect. But I, I, I was 
I was accepting a level of imperfection. Yeah. And I was okay with that. But I wanted it to be perfect. And when that power blipped, I was like, this could be my out. If, the, <laughs> if we lost the power, then I could say, sorry. <laughs> sorry, power out. Turn it yeah, off. Yeah, sorry, we sorry. did our best. We lost our power. But, um, yeah. Because that, not only the live stream, but we would have lost. There was, ew, there ew. was 400 people uh, on our campus, mm-hmm. not in the sanctuary, watching a broadcast. Yeah. And so, man, that would just would have been that would have been just insane. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, yes, that that it didn't go down. There were no interruptions in, in kind of that regard. So, yeah. Um, I'm grateful that we uh, had the occasion to, to do that experiment with the streaming. Yeah. Um, I wish we'd had an occasion that was on that scale, but it wasn't such a somber sure, occasion, right. you know. Right. And and I'm just hopeful that we can take the learnings from that, yeah, and and really expand on that and kind of let that grow down the road. So yeah, and I've heard, and I've heard the right amount of feedback that uh, what we were able to do was helpful for folks to be able to celebrate Scott where they were. And yeah, so. and we had um, I, I was watching the Facebook feed. We had over 230, I want to say 234 yeah. concurrent streams. Now that that goes also that includes the churches that were churches doing. that had you know countless people in their sanctuary watching on the screen so yeah so but uh, it's still only counting as one, one yeah yeah so you know one of those count people could actually have been 70 80 people you know are we not sure so yeah we we, we definitely reached hundreds of people um, that weren't able to come in yeah. addition to the ones that you the thousand that were already there so and I've seen uh, I'm looking at right now 34 shares and over 5,000 views now. Wow. Um, so people are continuing to take advantage of that. And so that's a that's a cool thing. Anyways, we continue to um, so, obviously process all yeah. of this and and move forward. But, mm-hmm. um, but I am thankful for yesterday and the way it came together. Yeah, me too. Yep. And even though I... You talk about all those volunteers that of our members that were doing things with, with food and mm. and just uh, helping show people around campus. Yeah. Every time you saw them, they both looked tired, dog tired. Yeah. From from going through this for the last time, and they all smiled and were happy to right. to help and yeah. serve and and were great to to talk to. So yeah. Um, I think that'll segue into what we're talking about a little later as well. Yeah, we will. We will. Cool. So we start a new series. Make ready. Yeah. Make ready. What was it? Make, make ready. Mike Grady. Uh, Mike. Mike Grady. Mike Grady. Is... Mike O'Grady. <laughs> oh so my you goodness. can tell we're getting a little silly. Yeah, and I'm a little tired. But so make ready is the Advent. Oh my gosh. Advent. Lent season. I need a nap, y'all. <laughs> okay. I might edit don't this edit out. this out. Don't no, this is too great. I would just leave it. I'm, I'm Let's try it. this again, okay? And uh, you get a blooper uh, just Beep. inserted right in there. Beep. Yeah. Ready, take two. <laughs> Make ready is our Lenten series that yeah. we are preaching through across our campus, and Make Ready is a series that concentrates on. Uh, the the um, the final discourse, so to speak, or the upper room discourse that it, uh, that is from John's Gospel, uh, but basically the teachings that Jesus kind of lays out from John chapter thirteen through seventeen, as he's kind of giving final encouragement, final instructions, um, is is truly modeling and pouring out love with his disciples in those final days, and so we're going to preach through that throughout uh, Lenten season. And uh, 
I love the 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 series title "Make Ready" because he's ma- he's he's both making them because I think he's forming them and he's still f- like mm-hmm. forming them into disciples or or what they're going to be, but he's also getting them ready for that as well. And so it's a it's a cool play on words, and and I like I like the message that comes across there. I like the graphic you made, even though stylistically it was, I didn't make it. It was ugly. Oh, good. Just just to clarify. <laughs> It was informative, which is what graphics are, should be doing anyway. Oh, hello. Um, I liked, and, and you addressed this, how the first, I'll say half, was him talking to... All of Israel. All of Israel. The second half was him talking to the disciples. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. So John's Gospels laid out, kind of divides uh, the teaching into... Now, because think about this, if and we've talked about in the past in other episodes mm-hmm. about how... Uh, the gospel writers don't have to hold to purely chronological historical reporting, right? Yeah. That's just, di- it's different style. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, throughout Jesus' time, he's doing both public teaching and private teaching to the disciples. Okay. But John is going to uh, kind of organize things. So at the beginning, he really focuses on the public um, the public teaching and presentation of the gospel. <clears throat> Excuse me or of, of the message that Jesus has to all of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then after the, the first 12 chapters, it's going to shift and he's going to really settle in and teach the disciples and focus. So that's there, there's some style there from the gospel author, but there's also some historical truth to it because uh, we, we can tell as we study um, the, the gospels together that Jesus was rejected uh, as he's traveling and teaching. And mm-hmm. so um, he gives some of this public education, but they don't have ears to hear and hearts to know and mm-hmm. eyes to see. And so Jesus then uh, makes ready his disciples yeah. as he he heads towards the cross and so john has a clean kind of dividing thing there to the point that even people say the first and second book of john's gospel but that can be confusing yeah right uh so there's two major parts there yeah, yeah I, I always try and um take an opportunity to put myself in the shoes of the people around Jeez, I will also say we're drinking water, and um, this is gonna be a real raw episode. Last week's, I was thinking with Clint here, and we had three. I mean, we were each had a screen in front of us. Sometimes, yeah, computer screens. One or two. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of computer screens going back here, and yeah. drinks and whatnot. So once in a while, we're gonna hear stuff. I decided to just uh, accept that fact and not worry yeah. stressed out about it. As yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. Lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. It's something about Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about um, John's gospel and why why this. Oh, is I like to put myself. I know it's gonna oh, say, yeah. Yeah. in the shoes of the people around Jesus, and like you were just saying, mm-hmm. they didn't know how the story was gonna end, and like, right, you know, in X number of days, I'm gonna be hung on a cross and yeah, and die, and to what you were just saying, it's like. Okay, yeah, you're teaching us stuff, and, yeah. and and what? How would how would you think if you put yourself in the shoes of the disciples? You know, he's like, no, this is important. This is why. This is what you need to do. And he, mm. Not even why. It's like this is what you need to do. You need to do this and this. Yeah, serve people. You yeah, know, wash their feet. Right. So they're they're just going with flow. Like okay, whatever yeah. whatever you say, you know. And they don't right. know that something really big is going to happen in just a few days. Yeah, it's like a tension. They yeah. So in this part of John's gospel, I think as you read kind of the narrative, read through it a little bit, you start to see that they're starting to realize 
Jesus is saying he's leaving us. Okay, right. And so they're starting to go, where are you going? Yeah. Like, why can't we come with you and things like that? But you're right. They also don't quite get it. Yeah. Um, so, I just put a deposit on this apartment. What do you mean? We're, yeah, well, yeah. It, well, in chapter 13, when Peter's like, you know, I'll die for you. Yeah. Like, you're not you're not going to where we'll, we'll go with you. And Jesus <laughs> is like, no, you won't. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll preach through that this Sunday. Cool. Um, but anyway, some of that's going on. So let me let me quickly, because uh, I, I want to get to where I think we need to go today. Mm-hmm. So just a couple things I want to point out. One is uh, John's gospel is very different than the synoptic gospels. Um, in that this is the only place of the foot washing. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's no foot washing. That's interesting. And so the question would be, uh, why isn't it Matthew, Mark, yeah. and Luke? Did John just create it? Mm-hmm. It seems to be a pretty significant scene, so why wouldn't Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, include it? Um, there's different reasons. There could have been... Well, let me see if I want to go in the weeds here. <laughs> there could there, the author of John's Gospel could be present for the foot washing night, yeah, and was not um, not party to the writing of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm-hmm. So that, does that make sense? So what if John, what if the author of John's Gospel is actually there and highly impacted by the foot washing scene? Uh, and so that gets included in John's gospel, whereas yeah. it wouldn't have been the others. That's one. That's sure. that could be one theory. Um, the other thing is John. John's communicating something, or John's gospel uh, is trying to communicate something that's different than what Matthew, Mark, and Luke are. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be different emphases that that go into that. So what scholars believe, because there's a mess when you look at when is this happening. This foot washing, uh, sometimes in general understanding, is thought to just to be the Last Supper. Yeah. And when we look at John's Gospel, we know that this is before the Passover festival because it opens up in 13 this way. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like it's actually before the Last Supper. And so as we start to look at this, some scholars, and I think a lot of scholars, present this compelling view that maybe the author of John's Gospel is actually taking three or four dinners and combining them all into one in his presentation. So that there's one big teaching uh, that we can share as as we send this letter out mm-hmm. uh, to Ephesus or wherever it's going, so that people can read this and see this. Um, and so the different teachings that are combined could have been the different nights that they were together and eating together in Jerusalem, leading up to the Passover mm-hmm. and to the night in which Jesus would give himself up. Um, the other question is why doesn't John's Gospel include a direct? Uh, um, comment about the body and blood about the Last Supper. Yeah, and John's Gospel doesn't do that, and so that's very interesting. And and so I, it it doesn't fit into part of what the Gospel's intent is mm-hmm. uh, in that moment. He's focusing on something else. Or again, back to that other theory, maybe the author of this Gospel was not there at the Last su- Supper. I know that's gonna. <laughs> what Jack with everyone? What about the painter? He was there, right? <laughs> yeah, the guy that did this. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, they're all sitting in chairs. That yeah, didn't exist, on the one side right? of the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, what? you're telling me that guy. But was? there's a lot of different stuff there. But yeah. the point being, it doesn't. This is not meant to report historical teaching. It's meant to bring together some of Jesus' core teachings that he's going to leave with his disciples before he yeah. uh, heads off and gives himself gives himself up in that great sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, because this cool. this is the you know the Passover yeah. meal yeah or or week week right yeah. 
And it's like, this is what we do. This is the ritual. The uh, What was the other word you used? We do it every... Uh, the, liturgy. Not liturgy. Liturgy, yeah. But, yeah. you know, this is a... We do this. We, we this learn it by repeating. Us. Yeah, yeah this is us. habituation. This so is So this would yeah. be kind of building this off of something well, they were familiar with. And they, they're going to pilgrimage into Jerusalem for the Passover. Yeah. And so they're going to be together all week. And these teachings are going to happen. And Jesus is preparing them. He's loving them. Mm-hmm. You know, first part of 13 is kind of the introduction that he's loved them this whole way. And he's going to love them until the end. And yeah. so that's kind of how we jump into this. And so uh, that's important. So um, Sunday I talked about the foot washing. I kind of glazed over it a little bit because I think you've heard it preached a whole lot about the act and the humility and things that are in that. Um, I did want to point out some of the themes that I think are really important. Jesus washes everybody's feet, including Judas. Uh, there seems to be another theme of sal- salvific understanding that Jesus, when Peter says, Jesus, you can't wash my feet, and Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part mm-hmm. in me. So there's a there's an understanding that for me to be cleansed is is a part of me being with Jesus. And so that act is held together in that theme. And then, But the final theme, the one that I think is most important for us is this. What if... Uh, Jesus knew that this action that he was giving them was another way of teaching them to actually find love for others. So what if Jesus is teaching us how to find love for others and that is found in the actual doing? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, what I mean by that is, is what if um, Jesus is showing us that in our washing of other people's feet, even if it's obligatory or it's because I just feel like I should, yeah. what if in that action it is a forming habit that forms our desires and helps us to actually love the person whose feet I'm, for, I'm washing? Hmm. It's kind of a paradox, kind of a mind trip. Right. So James K. A. Smith is going to say the orientation of the heart happens from the bottom up through the formation of our habits of desire. Learning to love God and people takes practice. And so what if we, in practicing loving others, God gives us love for others? And that's what I'm trying to get at is that that this what Jesus gives his disciples in this final teaching is more than just a model. Yeah. It is actually the platform or what Methodists would call the means of grace through which we might experience a supernatural power of God to love other people. Mm-hmm. And so in our loving, God gives us love for those people. Does that make sense? A means of grace, an yeah. avenue through God through which we can experience God's love for other people and for him. So I'm going to go back to the hurricane again. Okay. Because it's going to be a while before yeah. that stops being relevant right. in our lives. Here. Yeah. Um, how many people did we see come out in just droves to right. help people? Let's just talk about just in our community. Yeah. And go muck total strangers' houses or, you know, other members that they didn't even know. I mean, yeah. Um, but there was a reason that people felt compelled to do that. Yeah. And it wasn't something that just happened. Right. Overnight. Right. That there was something else that has been kind of teaching them that. Well, I would just imagine you're probably the same way as me in, in like, there's not many days in my life where I want to wake up and go muck out a house. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. But it was in 
getting up and going and doing that, that through that process, I now was given a love and burden for the person that I was serving. Mm-hmm. That didn't, I didn't download that out of the stratosphere when I woke up that morning. Mm-mm. I didn't receive, uh, I didn't, I didn't receive the work order that came through our church that said so and so's name. Here's the address, and all of a sudden you go, I go, oh man, I just love this family so much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just, I just want to be there for them because chances are I didn't know who they were yeah. that well, and so, but when I went to their house and I began to work, I just began to to learn about their experience and to know their story and God just started to give, give mm-hmm. me a burden for them and mm-hmm. bre- just was breaking my heart for them so that I could pour out love and empathy and, and compassion into, into that scenario. And so what if that was a means of grace? Yeah. It was the serving that gave me the love for them. And so that's kind of what I was getting at and where I, where I think our discussion could kind of dovetail and end here mm-hmm. is about those, those formations those habit forming activities that are in our lives what are we doing every day to form our desires in a way that is that is growing towards loving god and loving people Mm -hmm. that's what lent is about what are the habits that are in us that are forming us to love other things yeah and let's let's fast from those and give ourselves to god and what are the habits that we are good that are yeah. forming that habit of desire for God and for people in a good way? And so I don't know. Let me let me toss that out. Like, what do you, what do you think of when you think of those habits that have stuck with you, or maybe something that you remember from childhood? Um, here's here's one to get you thinking. I yes, heard, thank you. I heard a story about um, one of our church members was telling me the other day. She is uh, she's talking about generosity in the church and how do we spur that on? And mm-hmm. and she was telling a story. I think of her grandfather, maybe her dad, but her, maybe it was her dad. And as a kid, she remembers as the plate came around, she would like in a hurry, he would in a hurry forget that he hadn't written the check and write the check really quick. And then she still remembers the hearing of that tearing out of the check uh-huh. so that it can go in the plate. And that stuck with her to the point where she, even when she didn't feel the joy of giving, she knew that it was important because mm-hmm. of that experience that happened over and over and over again in her past. And eventually that formed a love for yeah. giving and generosity. Um, one more example. We ran into somebody uh, yesterday that poured themselves out to serve for, yeah. for uh, the services. Service, yeah. And um, looked exhausted. And I won't say their name because they'll, <laughs> they'll blush. Yeah. Uh, but we went up uh, went up to her and said, you know, hey, love you. How mm-hmm. are you doing? Uh, look tired. And, and her response was, I don't want this to sound weird, but but uh, it was a real joy for me to, to serve and give. And, and I just think, I think that's it right there. Awesome. Like we don't wake up uh, one day and decide that we want to help with tablecloths and, and cookies at funerals. Yeah. Um, but at some point we say yes to that and God gives us the love for it along the way yeah. because there's a formation process that takes place. You know, whenever growing up, we always had the, um, like the Pollock dinner. It was yeah. monthly in yeah. our church, right? Yeah. And there were the same people working every week or every month at that potluck yeah. that were just running around frantically yeah. prepping everything, serving it, yeah. plating it, cleaning up afterwards and whatever. But not once, if you ask them, were they upset that they had to do that or they were taking on that stress willingly. 
and and yeah so now i wonder how how someone gets into that place in the in the yeah. first time you know yeah. there's always going to be like reluctance <clears throat> or kind of trepidation like yeah oh i don't know if i want to make this commitment yeah but time, it's somewhere obligation once you say yes to that there's some sort of transformation in that person that yeah and, them... and this doesn't mean and i don't want this to mean that you everybody listening should just go out and say yes to everything <laughs> this is that the church right. asks you to do that's yeah, this not, isn't that's not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is what habits are you forming in your life that help you love god and love people more mm-hmm. you know like in my um i remember distinctly in my confirmation class so that i would that would have been middle school yeah um and my grandfather was a methodist minister was actually because our the year that i was in confirmation there weren't enough kids in our church i was the only one mm-hmm. so i went to a dis- another church which happened to be the one my grandfather was preaching at and he was doing the confirmation class yeah so he was teaching these kids you know these are the things we do you know we knew the lord's prayer we knew yeah um the uh the creed and all yeah. you know that stuff like that yeah. and we went over like daily the first thing when we got there but one of the things he said was he in that's goes kind of dovetails in your um um offering thing he goes even if you don't have money because you know your kid you don't have money allowance or job necessarily he goes whenever that plate comes by if you don't have a coin or anything to put in it tear a little corner off the bulletin mm-hmm. and put it in that plate and then hand it the plate pass it on to the next person right and he's like that you know the that's a way to show that you're thinking about it and you're you know you're the the he, and, and then I used to, you know, like to think, okay, cool. Um, I don't know if everybody did that, but I would always do it. When I was at one of his services, I would make sure to put a piece of the bulletin in there. And, and I like to think that he or um, whoever was collecting the plates would see that and either know what that's for or wonder what that's for. And, you know, yeah. that's got to be funny. But uh, it's building that kind that was of a recurring. Forming, yeah, that was a formation. Yeah, habit kind of. Uh, think about this. How many times do you drive home from work and go, I don't remember making a conscious yeah. decision in the last seven or eight minutes? <laughs> it kind of freaks you out, right? It is. I'm like, wait, I was just thinking about this, and all of a sudden I'm 10 miles down the road? Yeah. How did I get here? So how does that happen? How does that be, become formed in us? That's uh, repetitive. We do it over, over and, and over. over and over. Same thing. Exactly the same way. Yeah. And so it becomes something that we just simply do. And I wonder how often we've put those 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 formational mm-hmm. activities into our life so that that becomes who we are. It just becomes something that yeah. we do. Because um, I think that's really important. That's why on Sunday I talked about how important worship is in a, in a normal routine of worship. Mm-hmm. Because worship is formative. We come together and we confess our sins together and we pray together and we break the Lord's uh, bread together mm-hmm. and we acknowledge that we fall short in, in God, but God never falls short uh, with us and, and that we're part of the family. That's our reminder. It's something that's formative over and over again. That's why the church, uh, even in the vine, we do some of the same movements every single week. It's mm-hmm. because it's something that's supposed to form us. Even uh, when, when I'm learning to try and read scripture I'm going to do it over and over and over again and eventually along the way God gives me a love for that and and a want to learn more about him yeah uh, parents of kids, you know what it is to form habits within your children. And so uh, growing up, like it, church was an option for, for me because sports was busy. Mm-hmm. Like, And so 
how how are you forming things that are pointing your kids towards God, towards Christ, and towards loving others? Uh, maybe there's something formative you can do in your household, uh, sharing a one highlight or one place that you saw God at work around the dinner table mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, whatever it is, like um, what is formative that we're putting into our life? Because God knows that we're doing a lot of formation for other things in the world. Yeah. Uh, the way that we watch TV, the way that um, we consume, the way that we're on our phone. Gosh, our phone becomes an addiction. Um, <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It just becomes a habit. Like a, if I'm not checking it like every 30 seconds mm-hmm. and uh, it just feels weird. Um, I mean, we, I can go on and on. And so this is an opportunity for us to see what's forming us. Uh, and I think that that's so important because that's what Jesus seems to be doing here. And, and let me close with one last idea. Uh, there's characteristics to what Jesus is doing when he's washing feet. Mm -hmm. First, he's not selective. Right. He's washing anybody's feet that are there. But there's there's characteristics that are modeled there that I think we approach serving and forming and some of these things, saying yes to God with humility, by, by entering into service, by choosing love and care for another person, even if it's kind of obligatory, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to do something that's loving, even if I don't feel love at the core of me as I do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sacrificial. And in doing that foot washing, that is humble, that is an act of service, that is love, or at least an action of love uh, or sacrificial, I'm arguing. And I think that Jesus is showing that in that, God will give us love for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so uh, I just want that to be something that's shaping us and forming us as we as we think about um, moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, think- I, I definitely thinking back to the my um, uh, flipped experience, this little house where you know you go. It's kind of like you and Marmy, but local level for middle school kids. That I didn't want to do that. I was you know asked to do it and and kind of reluctant at first. But just after less than the three days we were at this client's house building a ramp for them. So this woman's daughter who had, you know, issues walking, she was, you know, she had been trapped inside or it was really, really hard for her to get out and go down the stairs. And, you know, we, we built this ramp and it was tired and I felt sick at the end of it. And she came out of the house and just walked down and she just smiled the whole way. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I'm, that was worth it. I gave her this rant, but I got so much more in return. You know, yeah. it changed my life. Yeah. Just watching her yeah. do that. So I'm like, wow. And Je- <laughs> Jesus promises that. Yeah. So, so listen to this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Mm-hmm. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17 of chapter 13 now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I think that that's it right there. Yeah. That this is a means of grace that Jesus is saying that you will experience grace as you form yourself towards this. If you allow yourself to be formed in habit of desire to love God and love other people. I think that's that's the big, big takeaway for us. I like it. All right. All right. 
this week we oh let me just say that we're we've got guest worship leaders we had a guest worship leader last yeah, week. yeah let's talk about that in the vine we've got two more coming up this week mm-hmm. and so uh a guy named chad that's going to be in from dallas fort worth and uh so uh excited about that mm-hmm. and excited to, to to get to know him this weekend so I hope you're in the vine and, and able to check that out. Um, we're going to continue this series. This week we'll be we'll be looking at a little comparison, a little uh, insight on Judas and Peter, and oh. a little play that's going on there. So mm-hmm. excited about preaching preaching that and just continuing more of this discussion because I think this is going to keep keep going more of what we've talked about today. So yeah. All right. Anything else I'm thinking of? We love your comments. Haven't seen too many more uh, recently, or else we'd be giving you a shout out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, post your comments, or feel free to email us at podcast at kingwoodumc.org. And we, and if you have examples of this servitude, maybe you're not washing people's feet. Oh, maybe yeah. you are. We'd love to hear them because we we kind of how about came up with a couple how about of, a time? Yeah, holler at us if you think of a time where you stepped into something uncomfortable. Yeah. And God gave you love for the setting that you were pouring yourself into that mm-hmm. you never expected. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make, does that question make sense? That'd be great. When did you say yes to something that you didn't think you could do or didn't want to do and God gave you the love for it? And we talked about Oasis Mem- uh, Ministries, Ministries yeah. a while back. Yeah. And that's a good example. Yeah. So let's hear yours. That'd be great. Yeah. Email us. Cool. All right. Love you guys. Thank we'll you talk to you me. next week.